On this podcast, whatever you're dealing with, we call your this, capital T-H-I-S. Here on episode eight, Mary Kay's this was being human trafficked. It eventually isolated me from all of my friends and my family um, and eventually trapped me inside of his small one-bedroom apartment. Welcome to This Seriously Sucks, the right podcast when life goes seriously wrong. In these interview episodes, people who've been through major traumas and events that derailed their lives talk about times when they didn't want to go on and share how they did. All our guests are at least 10 years past their big this. They keep it real, pull no punches, and share what they wish they had known when they were in the middle of their this. Now, here is your host, the author of This Is Not The End, who knows what it feels like to want it to be the end. Nina Sossaman Pogue. Yes, this is the right podcast when life goes seriously wrong. I am so glad you found us. Thanks for sharing some time here. On this podcast, we talk about the lowest moments of highly successful people, the major life events that rocked their world and how they got through them. We can all learn from their stories of resilience. Today's guest is an inspiration to many. She has been called the comeback queen. I love that. Mary Kay Holmes is a New York lawyer. She's in-house counsel for a major New York City financial services firm. She's also an international best-selling author. She's written several books. She's a life coach. She's an award-winning motivational speaker who spreads the message of resilience around the globe. She is married. She is beautiful. And she just has fantastic energy. Mary Kay, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Well, I like to begin with the success part of our stories to sort of set the stage for talking about the way we all got out of the darkness that we've been through. Because at one point in your life, like many of us and maybe some of our listeners, you couldn't see this amazing bright future that you have. So let's start there. For you, that began at a pretty early age. Right, it did. Uh, Actually, four years old. Wow. Uh, at four years old, I was molested by an older male relative. And throughout my early childhood years, because of that, I was very traumatized and I started to engage in promiscuous behavior at a very early age. So, so much so that, that by the time I was 12 years old, I was, uh, I had lost my virginity. And at 14 years old, I was pregnant. And yeah, so the following year, when I turned 15, I met a 36 year old man who wound up watching me, grooming me without me even realizing it, and eventually human trafficking me. And this abusive cycle of a relationship continued for seven long years. And during that time, I was a teenager and he had me transporting drugs across state lines from New York to Connecticut. He would have me purchase kilos of cocaine and they would slip it under the table at the restaurant that we would go to. They would slip it under the table into my backpack. And it was my drop job to bring it back to Connecticut and to cook it, which like, you know, you, with uh, cocaine, there's a certain way that you cook it and you mix it uh, and turn it into crack. And it was my job to weigh it out, bag it up and distribute it in New Haven, Connecticut. And I was just a teenager and he was picking me up from school, dropping me off at home taking me on shopping sprees, making me feel as if I was able to escape from this life of poverty. And he was just, he, he was my only support system. 
So he eventually isolated me from all of my friends and my family um, and eventually trapped me inside of his small one bedroom apartment. And I was forbidden to use the phone. Uh, I was not able to, I was told I could not leave. I couldn't contact any family or friends. Um, at the time, I didn't have a driver's license yet. I didn't learn how to drive until I was in my early 20s. Wow. But at this time, you know, this was before internet. It was before cell phones. So I didn't have, you know, a phone of my own. And so because he would, he would rig the phone in his house so that the phones, the, the calls were all forwarded. So if the phone rang, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to answer it, but I also wasn't allowed to dial out. And so for so long, I, I stayed trapped inside that small confined space. And I would just look out the window and watch people kind of just live their lives and wonder, you know, what life was like for them. And here it is, I'm just trapped looking out the window. And by this time I was also pregnant by him. And he would leave me in that apartment with no food for days at a time sometimes. I remember one night I'm pregnant, I'm hungry. And all I had was this one can of tuna and I had to eat that slowly so that I had enough to last me throughout that night. Wow. And so when he would come back, he would be abusive. He would be controlling, very manipulative. He would call me names, um, you know, constantly just beating me up both physically and emotionally. And because I was pregnant, that was the only thing that I saw as my opportunity to escape. So I knew he didn't want to be burdened with taking me to the hospital when I went into labor. And I knew he didn't want to be burdened with taking care of the baby. So I asked him if I can go back to my mom's house just so I can have the baby. So as I neared the end of my pregnancy, he, he let me go back to my mom's house to have the baby. And that's how I was able to get out. But the relationship continued beyond that because I was so brainwashed. I was so damaged. I was still a teenager. I was still a kid, even when I had my son. And, and after that, that seven year, um, seven years of abuse, I got so fed up. I got so tired of just being controlled by this person. I mean, I, I wasn't allowed to do anything. I mean, all I was allowed to do at, at, until at a certain point, he allowed me to start working um, after, but I, I think during that sixth and seventh year, um, and, and I just cherished those moments going to work <laughs> because to get out was, of that square that you were stuck in. Yeah. And so, yeah, so going to work was like my way out. And eventually I, I went on my lunch break and found an apartment, put a down payment, I put a deposit on the apartment. He didn't know it. I started, I rented a car, parked it down the street. And the day that I wanted to, the day, the day that I was planning to escape, I had everything packed up that I had left because slowly I had my escape plan. I was slowly packing things up and bringing things to my mom's without him realizing it, you know, just little by little to where he wouldn't notice at first. And so the day that I went back, I took the day off thinking that he was going to be at work and he comes home early. Oh yeah. He came home early, caught me. And as I'm getting the last few things in the car, he snatches the keys out of my hand and he starts beating on me in front of my son. Um, and when he got tired of using his fist, he took off his Timberland boot and started beating me with that. And so I ran to the neighbor's house. I asked him if I can call the police because by this time he had took the phone and broke it into a million pieces. Um, so I, I ran to the neighbor's house, asked him if they can call the police for me and they refused to get involved. And so when he saw how determined I was to get out and because he had a fear of the police, he let me leave. Oh, wow. Yes. So 
I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful to God that I was able to get out that day, even though it was like the most traumatic experience I had ever experienced up until that point, you know, just the, the, the beating that happened that day, it was, the, it was worse than any other time. Um, but I was able to get out and I had my apartment. I had no furniture, but it didn't matter. <laughs> you had <your> freedom. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's, that's how it started. And that's how I was able to get out of that part of my life. But and I would love to say that things got so much better after that, but it was like going from the fire pan into the fire because after that I was so broken that I was re-trauma, I was re-victimized and trafficked all over again by a pimp. Wow. And I did read in your story, you had suicidal thoughts as a young adult. Was it while you were with him or was it after him? Or where in that journey was it just so dark where you just thought, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, it was before, during, and after. Because before I met him, when I was 14 and pregnant, my mother made me get an abortion. It was I was very far along in the pregnancy because I, ref, I didn't want to tell her. And I had no choice to tell her after my belly started to get bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was it was close to like that, that time where you almost are too far along to abort the child. And so it was a very traumatic abortion because it was a surgical abortion. I had already started to show and I started to bond with my unborn baby. And so it was very traumatic. And so after I got the abortion, I, com- I uh, attempted suicide for the first time. So that was the first. Um, and then the second time was while I was with the person who trafficked me, I got so depressed and I got so broken because I felt like I was so, I was felt like I was stuck. I felt like my life had just hit like a brick wall. I felt like a failure. I, I was afraid to go back home and admit to everyone that, you know, I had made this mistake that, you know, after being isolated from everybody, because he turned me against everybody that I loved. And I didn't want to go back and face everyone and admit to them that, I didn't just run off into the right off into the sunset and, you know, live this happy life that I had just this horrible uh, life that I was living. And so I was very depressed and very suicidal, as you can imagine. Um, And I, you know, attempted suicide again. And after that, I attempted suicide three more times after I escaped that relationship. Um, But I'm so grateful that none of those were successful because I had no idea who I would become. I had no idea the amazing things that I would one day be able to do. And had I known, oh my goodness, I just probably, if someone had told me that I wouldn't have believed them, but I I just thought I had no gifts, no talents, no abilities. I felt like I was a failure at life. I felt like I made all the wrong choices and that my life just kept spiraling out of control. But there was always something great on the horizon. I wish I had known it, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's part of my story. It's, it's part of what I've gone through. And I'm always grateful to share, to help someone else to understand that there is life after trauma. And that's what we're here for. There's probably someone listening now who's in a similar situation or been in a similar situation and has that sort of feeling of loss or self-hatred or just this and this, I have made all these bad choices. There's no way out of this situation. So for those folks, you do a lot of motivational speaking. So this is an easy softball for you. But for those folks, what, what, how did you get through that? What, what can you tell them about moving forward at a time when you just feel like you're stuck? Ooh, when you feel like you're stuck, when you get to that point where you feel like there's, there, like, this is it. I messed up too much. Like this 
This one is the big one. This is the big mistake that I can't overcome. I'm not going to survive this. I'm not, I can't come back from this. There's a reason why people call me the comeback queen. And it's because every time I went through something horrific in my life, something traumatic, somehow, some way, I seem to bounce back. And what I learned over the years is that every negative experience has an expiration date. There's always something great on the horizon. There's always, I remember watching the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks and he's stuck on this island. For those of you that haven't seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. Go but, watch it. Wilson, <laughs> Wilson. Yes, Wilson, yes. And so in the movie, he's stuck on this island. This is not a spoiler, I promise you. At some point he realizes that, you know, He's got to, he, he want, he's so determined to get off this island, but he gets to the point of desperation. He, he, he's tried so many different things and he's at his wit's end. But one day, this porta pot, porta potty, if I said that right, a porta potty mm -hmm. washes up on the shore of all things. But this porta potty, if I can say it right, <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. Now you're never going to be able to say it again, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it washes up on the shore of all things. And he uses that as a sail to get off the island. Because every time he tried to get off, the waves would be too much, the way that the tide would come in. And, you know, he just couldn't get over that big wave. He, he needed a sail. <laughs> and the porta potty, I said it, the porta potty was his sail. And so anyway, he gets off the island and someone asked him after, you know, he's rescued. And again, this is not a spoiler alert. I promise. It's, it's, there's so much more to the story, Yeah, but he's off the island and someone asks him, you know, how did he make it through? Like, how did he get through each day? And he said, he just had, he knew he just had to keep going. He said, he said, I just had to keep, I just had to keep breathing. He had to keep surviving because one day the tide came in and brought him a sail. And he said, you never know what the tide will bring in. And I held on to that quote. Now, when I watched Castaway, I remember watching it in that apartment that I had gotten after I escaped that seven year abusive relationship. It was one of my favorite movies to watch. Yeah. I would watch it. I would watch it so many times. Like I can tell you, <laughs> I, I the way the sound of the waves the waves crashing against the beach at in the movie was very calming for me. Mm -hmm. But I remember it was during that time that I had escaped and watching it. And I remember when I heard that quote, it just hit me, and I realized like, wait a minute, that's right. You never know what the tide's going to bring in. And for me, that was so key. And I I want to say that to you. Every negative experience has an expiration date. This too shall pass. Everything that you're going to go through, everything in life that you'll encounter, it's going to end at some point. But you never know what the tide's going to bring in after that. You don't know what life is going to bring you because as much as the unknown that happens in our lives sometimes hits us on the blind side and makes it knocks us on our feet, knocks, knocks us off our feet, knocks us on our backs, there are some things that come in that just completely blows us away and completely surprises us and wows us. Things that we would have never thought that we'd be able to do, things we've never imagined that we'd be able to accomplish, goals that we never imagined that we you know, achieve. And it, the life just has a way of just wowing you. And I put it this way, one day confetti just burst out of me <laughs> and it almost happened overnight. 
Uh, and from that point forward, I saw that greater was always on the horizon, that something good was always waiting around the corner. And absolutely, you know, when times get tough, just hold on because you never know what the tide is going to bring in. And it might be a porta potty. And who'd have thought that would be your saving grace? I love that analogy. That's so good. Yeah. Well, you talk also about you're not the same person. And I talk about that in my book. And when I speak too, there's like a me before things happen to me and a me after. So you're the same. You, you, you're not that person anymore. Um, we do get to bring the good parts of this we like along on this journey, but we're really different. And so talk about you after and you before. The me after and the me before? Mm-hmm. Well, the me after. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just never would have thought, I said this before, I never would have thought I'd be able to do the things that I'm doing now. But now, like the me now, like I get excited about the unknown. But the me before was so afraid of the unknown. And let me tell you why. Because now I don't know what's gonna happen up the road around the corner. I don't know all that the future holds. I don't know all that God has for me. But that's what excites me now. It it excites me because Five years ago, you wouldn't have convinced me that I would do the things that I'm doing now. And had I known, I probably would have thought too small. I would have limited myself. Maybe I would have been too intimidated by it. But the fact that I didn't know and boom, all of these things are just amazing things are happening. Um, I'm just so grateful that you know life has just surprised me in that amazing way. But in the past, the me before, the fact that I didn't know what was waiting for me and because I just had one trauma after another, it used to cause me to have this fear and I would feel as if there was this 10,000 ton weight hovering above my head and I didn't know when it was gonna drop because it seemed like every time I escaped one trauma, something else would hit me. And it would seem like once I would escape that, boom, it would be something else. And I started to feel this fear of like, okay, what else is gonna happen? Because life is just, it just doesn't work out well for me. I I suck at this, I suck at life. (laughs) That's how I used to feel. So the me before, I would have this fear and this anxiety and the anxiety was and the anxiety was so real that I would literally walk around with my head down and my shoulders hunched and I was afraid to look people in the eye. And I would have this constant fear of people. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to be around crowds. Matter of fact, when men would get too close to me, I would flinch, clam up. There would be so many different, you know, like PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. But Very now nice to be able to speak, even virtually, even virtually, I wouldn't have been able to do this before. To be able to meet new people, that's a a huge accomplishment in and of itself because I was afraid to open myself up and meet people, to get to know people, to talk to people. So the me now, it's like, I get excited about what's left, like what's next? Like, what does my future hold? Like even, and sometimes I don't even try to project too much because I, I know that the, it, it's even bigger than what I can even think. It's like, if I've been able to do this much in the last five, six years, I get excited about the next five to 10 years. I, I, I'm like, what, what's next? I, I think I heard you say, and because I went back and listened to some of your podcasts and speeches before we spoke, and I think I heard you say once, um, you, there's still the unknown out there, but you just know you can get through it, whatever it is. But, and that's what resilience is, knowing you can adjust and adapt and be okay, no matter what comes at you. That's right. Adjust, yeah. adapt, and overcome. 
Now you, your podcast is called Outlive the Labels. And one of the things I talk about is whatever has happened to you doesn't have to define you. You know, in my case, I, I was an athlete and that was how I defined myself. And so as a teenager, when I couldn't be an athlete anymore, I didn't know who I was. So, and different points in my life, I was a journalist and an anchor. What am I, if I'm not that? So you really do a great job of the outlive the label. So explain your thoughts around that because it's really a cool way to put it. Yeah, so my thoughts around that and the, and the way that came about was really, I had I had spoken at this um, event and it just came out. It wasn't a part of my speech. It wasn't a part of anything that I had prepared, but I just started to talk about how your past doesn't define you and that you can outlive every label in your life. And so I started to talk about how I outlived some labels and I, how I outlived the label of being depressed and outlived the label of being suicidal and, and having low self-esteem and being a victim and uh, being traumatized and the label of you know being promiscuous and, and bad, so to speak, when I was a kid being fast and um, the label of being too talkative or being too silly being just all the different things from childhood because when I was a kid I had so much personality even though I had gone through a lot even as a child I had all of this personality and I was I would I would say make these jokes and I would be the silliest little girl that you've ever met but I started to be made fun of uh, by my family and so they started to uh, bully me I you know I got bullied by older um, cousins and by my siblings and it started to really affect me to the point where I was, I started to silence myself and I, I was afraid to be myself. I was called slow. I was called retarded because of my silliness. They misinterpreted it as that maybe there's something wrong with her. And all I was doing was trying to mask the pain that I didn't know how to unpack as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to overcome that through by having extreme joy. <laughs> and so I found everything, you know, I found the, I found humor in everything. And so I, when I thought about that, how I outlived those labels from my childhood and even into my early adulthood years, I realized that those are things that other people have placed on me, things that other people have labeled me. And I imagined um, like post-its being stuck to my back. You know how, when you're a kid and someone sticks a note to your back and you and it says kick me kick me yeah and that's you're walking the one. around and you don't know it and everyone's laughing but you don't know what the joke is and I constantly felt like that like I had been labeled so maybe the label didn't say kick me but it said reject her or you know don't don't accept her um she's she's slow she's uh something's wrong with her that I, I can't tell you how many times I heard those words from teachers um people who worked in my school when I was in high school, um, hearing people say, something's wrong with you. And I constantly heard that, I mean, I tell you, I mean, I'm on the honor roll. I'm doing, I'm, I have so many gifts and talents because I remember how, how much I used to love to write and going through the trauma that I experienced, I started to feel like, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. And that's what, that's, that was like that underlying theme that kept leading to me saying, just take your life. Th things would be so much better if you weren't here. Life, you know, you're just not good at life. Just, you know, just, it would be so much easier just to not be alive and, you know, to go off into that unknown where you don't know what, you don't know what's waiting on the other side. That's so much better than what you know is going on right now in your life. And so when I outlived that label, it took away that, that underlying theme of, 
you know, just, just give up, just walk away. Nope. I started to outlive the labels that people had put on me and started to walk in like a newness, so to speak. I started to walk in, I started to write my own narrative. I started to rewrite my story and I started to own my story. And as a matter of fact, the other day I was reading in one of my journals from years ago. Um, you know, one of the things that I didn't share was when I served time in prison. And so when I was in prison, I had this journal that I kept and I was reading it the other day. And one of the things I wrote, I, I started to speak these positive things over my life. I said, I see books, I see books being written. I see myself being transparent and telling my story. And at that point I hadn't opened up. I hadn't shared anything about my life. I hadn't, you know, overcome that social anxiety and that fear. Mm -hmm. But I wrote those things and I believed them about myself and I outlived those labels by actually being bold and transparent and owning my truth and being bold enough to, to just open up and share with the world those things that used to be an embarrassment. Uh, but now it's like I use them as an opportunity to free others. So I'm grateful that I outlived those labels and I'm committed to helping others do the same. I love that. And I do want to talk about some of the things that uh, you're working on. I also hope that all of those teachers and people that said those things about you know that you're a, a big New York City lawyer and super successful now because that would be a good thing for them to kind of put in their back pocket the next time they tell some beautiful little girl that she's silly because that is really just not helping our planet. I do think, though, uh, we hear the bad stuff. So there are probably some people in your life at that time, maybe a teacher or something that might have said nice things, but our brains hear the bad things and we put those own post-it notes on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for every person who told you you were pretty or you were funny or something, you didn't hear them. You took the post-it note that said, you're you know weird or you're different or you're not smart and that's what we cling on to so i always tell folks uh, who are in bad situations listen a little harder because someone's probably trying to help you or probably saying something nice and you're just choosing not to hear it so maybe okay. adapt that language and use that post-it notice instead you know yes i love that and you know even with you saying that that reminds me of my english teacher mr whiteside and he was my English teacher when I was in high school. And he was the one that really pulled the writer out of me. Now I had already, from a little girl, I would write poetry and I would write, you know, little thing, little short stories, but he was the one that like really sparked in me this desire to be a writer. And he would, he would just affirm me and he would really make me feel as if I could just, I could be this great writer. Cause like it, it would just amaze me how much of an impact he had on my life. And um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. You got to hunt the good stuff, go back mm -hmm. and like, remember they pull out those positive things because they're in there, but somehow, some way the negative will sometimes drown out those positive things. So. Yeah. For every 20 nice things, all it takes is one person like to, to say, Ooh, or allow, even now, like those jeans don't look good on you and I'll throw them away. Like, but 50 people can tell me they looked fine, you know? So yeah, we do that to ourselves. And so, yeah, I think young people, especially who may be in the middle of a difficult situation, just listen to the people around you. Someone is saying nice things and telling you you're going to be okay. And it's, uh, and they, they love you or they're there for you. And we just don't hear that stuff uh, when we're in the middle of the, of the shit, as I call it, <laughs> when we're really in the deep of it. Um, is there a point where you felt like you were past this? Because a lot of people say, I just want to get past this. Mm -hmm. So everyone on, on this podcast is at least 10 years past their big trauma that they have overcome. But is there a point in your life where you went, 
oh, that's not me. I'm past it. I, I'm okay. Or is it ongoing? Yeah. yeah. When I knew that I was past it, it was when I could talk about it, when I can open up and talk about it in, in front of audiences or in small groups. Whenever I was able to talk about the things that I had gone through and I didn't feel that hurt and that pain in, in my gut, you know, that mm-hmm. feeling that kind of grips you and takes you back into those moments where you know, you start to get enraged or you start to feel resentment rise up in you or you start to feel that pain and it revisits you in a way that takes you back. Now, I I remember those times that when I felt like that, when I would talk about it and it would cause tears to well up in my eyes. But now when I talk about it, I feel empowered. I feel like strengthened. It's like I get a new wave of strength every time I share my story because I know that someone is benefiting from it. Someone is being helped. Someone is being healed. Someone's being brought back from the brink of suicide. Someone's being brought back from the brink of depression. So every time I talk about what happened to me, I get empowered and I empower empower others. And so that's how I know that I'm really past it when it doesn't hurt anymore when it doesn't affect me the way that it used to. That's how I know I, it, not, only, not only am I past it, it doesn't, it, I'm over, I've overcome it so much so that what happened is now helping me. <laughs> it's like, and it's helping others. And it's amazing to even be able to say that because when I was in it, and even shortly after I got out of it, I would have never imagined that any of it was somehow uh, be helpful to anybody. I, 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 I couldn't, uh, couldn't wrap my head around the idea that what I went through had a purpose. And so now when I look back on it, it's like, okay, I can use that. I can pull from that. It's like, I have an arsenal of weapons. <laughs> I call it your superpowers. Now you've got this new superpower. It's one that you don't want, but for everyone going through that right now, welcome to the club. You're going through something and you choosing to move forward and get on the other side of this, you too will have these superpowers. It doesn't feel like it right now, but you will. Amazingly, whatever this big this is, I call it your this, whatever your big this is that you're going through, it makes you different. You're not the same person you were before, but you are stronger on the other side. You're different, you're stronger, and you have this new superpower. It's, you know, welcome to the club of all of us crazies because now you're going to be one of us. Right. Well, you did such a good job of wrapping that up. Let's go. I wrap up each podcast with three questions. So we'll jump into those. And the first one, uh, and you touched on it before, and you're welcome to recap and talk about some of the same things again. If you had the opportunity to go back and talk to your younger self, and I'd say there's no hot tub time machine and there's no Avengers time time stone. So this is not real. But if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what would you whisper in your ear? What would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self the same thing that I mentioned earlier, that every negative experience has an expiration date. This too shall pass. And I heard a quote and I would, I would tell my younger self the this, this same thing, that everything will be all right in the end. So if everything is not all right, it's not the end. So maybe if my younger self couldn't comprehend that concept of every negative experience has an expiration date, which I probably would have gotten it because I was always an overthinker. (laughs) But just in case, I would break it down with that quote. Everything will be all right in the end. So if it's not all right, it's not the end. Hold on, keep going, keep moving forward because life is going to blow your mind. Hold on. That is great. Okay, 
I can't even add on to that. That's perfect. And the second question is, one thing that you know now that you wish you'd have known then? Ooh, one thing that I know now, oh my goodness, is all of the gifts and the talents that were locked up away inside of me. I didn't see it before. Oh my goodness. Like when I would think about myself and I would compare myself to others, which don't do to those that are listening, <laughs> Let's just, just don't do it. But I know it's easier said than done. I did it. And I would look at other people that were my age or older, and I would look at the things that they were able to do. I would look at their gifts and their accomplishments. And I would say, oh my goodness, they're so talented. Or they got, even if something as simple as they, they have this ability to just speak up. They, they're assertive. They're, you know, I would look at women who I, um, in my mind, categorize as you know, the um, tell it like it is woman or the, the woman who is like a take charge woman. And I would look at that and say, oh my, I could never be that. And because I, I, didn't, I didn't have a voice, I would look at myself and say, what could you possibly accomplish? Like, what could you possibly do? Yeah, I wanted to be a writer, but I started to get even, I started to even second guess myself about that, even though that's like the, the one thing that as a child, I knew I wanted to do, I wanted to be a writer. Um, so I started to really beat myself up and say, you're not, you know, yeah, you wrote a couple of great things. So what, it was a fluke. Um, and I would beat myself up. And so what I wish I had known was that, no, you are an excellent writer. You know, you, you can do this. You can be a news journalist. You can, you know, you can write for major publications. You can, you can do this. And I, had I known then that not only was I a writer, but that I could speak, that I could coach people uh, and help them to write their own stories in their books, that I could, you know, one day be on the radio and be a podcaster and be on television and, and that I could be a lawyer and I could, you know, do all of these amazing things. You an ambassador. I, I wish I had known that there was so much wrapped up inside of me. So I, I wish I had known that so I could have gotten a little bit of a head start. <laughs> I can only imagine what I would be doing now where I would be had I just started a little bit sooner. But now I know. And so I can only imagine the amazing things that's waiting 5, 10, 20, 30 years up the road. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I do get to live like, I know, I know people say it a lot, living your best life now, but I literally, I really do get to live my best life now. Amazing. And you are that outspoken woman now, you know, the, the one that you looked at before and said, I could never be her. Uh, you're her. <laughs> you are. I am her. Yes, you are. Uh, and, and I do want to talk well, when we wrap up here at the end, I do want to talk about some of the amazing work that you're doing. Let's do this last question. One thing that our listeners can do today, right now, because a lot of people who listen to this are, like I said, are in the middle of something really tough. What is one thing they can do today just to move themselves forward out of the really dark place that they're in? Start to see yourself where you want to be like start to see it, like, and not just see it, like really imagine yourself in that place, like take yourself out of the moment of like whatever that negative experience that you're in, that darkness, this, this dark period that you're in, start to visualize yourself beyond that. Like 
you might not be able to change anything right now. It might, it might be whatever the circumstances might be. It, it might be because it's beyond your control or, you know, maybe you just have this fear that's blocking you right now. You don't have the right support system or whatever. It does not matter because in your mind, you can go places that are so far beyond the confines of where you are right now. Like you can soar beyond your present condition and start to imagine yourself where you want to be. Yeah, it might seem to you, oh, that's unrealistic. Trust me, <laughs> back then it would have been unrealistic for me to think that I would be a lawyer, but I am. And so don't think about it in terms of, oh, that's unrealistic, that's impossible. Anything that you want to do, whatever it is that you want to be, wherever you, wherever you want to be, whatever you, you know, desire to do in life, start to really picture it in your mind. Because what you're going to do is your brain is going to start to think that that's actually your reality. <laughs> your brain won't know the difference. It's crazy how it works, but it's true. Your brain will not know the difference between the real and what you imagine. So if you start to picture these things every time you go to bed at night, no matter what your situation is, you could have had the worst day. You could have had the most traumatizing experience, but in your mind, take yourself where you wanna go and start to picture yourself doing those things that you desire to do and start telling yourself, I am doing it. I am successful. I am great. I am assertive. Like I wanted to be way back then. I, I am a go-getter. I, I am accomplishing great things. Talk about it in the present when you talk to yourself. You're not crazy when you talk to yourself. It actually works. It actually is so beneficial. And studies have shown and proven that this is successful. Your brain, you will trick your brain into believing that what you are thinking is your reality. And guess what starts to happen? Your, your, your mind will start to accommodate those goals, those things that you have put in your brain that you say you wanna do and the things that you're visualizing, your brain will start to go into overdrive to make that a reality. You'll start to, it, you'll start to uh, encounter things and situations that will accommodate that vision, that will accommodate what you see in your brain. So all of a sudden, the right things will, and trust me, it's not Big Brother watching, it, it, it is, it does work. You will start to see things on social media that accommodate that vision. You'll right. start to get phone calls from people that accommodate, you'll start to encounter people or meet someone that will accommodate that vision. And what it, what's happening is, is your brain is helping you to make that thing that you say you want, it, it's trying to make it a reality because you gave it a command. You told it what you want and it's gonna start to go into overdrive to bring that to you, to bring it at your feet. So wait for it, expect it and start to visualize it uh, because that is absolutely going to work. I love that. That is really very, very powerful. I always say you can't get to where you're going unless you know where you want to go. So start thinking about where you want to end up. Yeah, that envisioning and, and manifesting and bringing it into reality is very real. Our brains are tricky like that. And the world will all of a sudden start putting things in your life and you'll wonder how that happened and call it magic, call it whatever. It, it just is the way our brains are wired. It's, it is pretty magical. Yes. Well, before we wrap up the, this entire podcast, I do want to talk about all the amazing work that you're doing in the, in the community. So you're helping, uh, you said, mentioned you're a, you an ambassador, you offer a coaching program. So tell us more about what you are working on and, and, and how people can know more about you and get involved. 
Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm a UN ambassador. Um, I'm a de deputy director general for the Justice and Legal Affairs Department. And I also do a lot of advocacy surrounding uh, human trafficking. So I, I do a lot of speaking in that area and I also mentor at-risk teen girls um, who are at risk of going into human trafficking or other things that could just lead them into this downward spiral and, and cause them to be victimized. So I do that um, through the Chef Jeff project um, out in Las Vegas. We do it virtually, but at the same time, I have my own mentorship program for at-risk teen girls under my Outlive the Labels brand. In addition to that, I have my Outlive the Labels anthology projects where I help survivors and people who have just overcome just setbacks in life. It doesn't have to be anything, anything specific, but anything that you overcome and you want to tell your story, I give people the space um, to write a chapter in an anthology project. And some of them, many of them become first time authors. So I love just birthing new authors through that project. We're on volume two and three. And so that's going to be released soon. Um, I have my books that I've written. My first memoir, Stripped, A Journey from Rejection to Redemption, that's available on my website, along with the pre-order for my second memoir, Trapped in Plain Sight, The Unfamiliar Face of Human Trafficking. So both of those books can be found on my website, marykhomes.com. Um, just again, in addition to all of that, you know, I'm by day, I'm a lawyer, but, but my, that's my profession, but my passion is speaking and motivating and inspiring and empowering people to overcome life setbacks because life happens to every last one of us, but I'm living proof that your past doesn't define you and you, you can outlive labels. You know, I, I use every platform, everything that I do, no matter what it is. Um, I use it as an opportunity to to help people and to inspire. So um, even even this right here, you know, just it, it's been a pleasure and an honor because I know that you are just helping people to come back from that that cliff, you know, that that point. I, I wish I had access to things like this when I was at those points. I'm grateful that I didn't succeed in, in my five attempts um, in trying to take my life. But I can only imagine like if I had something to listen to, to hold on to, you know, again, these were, this was a time that was before, you know, internet was even widely used. Like right. <laughs> I think at the time we only had like jokes and chat rooms on the internet. <laughs> right, right. I remember those years. Yeah. Yeah, those days. So I'm grateful for opportunities like this where I can share. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for just sharing this time with us today. And I'm sure that the things that you said resonated with many of our listeners so they can follow you and support you. And I'll put all the links to the different locations that you mentioned on this page. And just thank you so much, Mary Kay. Thanks to everyone listening. Uh, it is when we talk about the really tough stuff that we all get stronger. So whatever you're going through, you've got this. The you 10 years from now, if you're listening, the you 10 years from now is counting on you to get through this. So hang in there. This has been another episode of This Seriously Sucks. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Nina Sossaman Pogue and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. For more resources, or to share your story, or to get a free copy of my book, go to mythis.club. There is a whole club of folks out there who want to help you get through this.